Welcome to That's Joy, the podcast. I'm your host, Cece Calbanero, and I'll be sharing stories of miracles, God moments, and unpacking the truth behind what joy truly means. My friend, when God gives you a direct call on your life, be sure to answer it. Here's to answering my call together. Hello and welcome back to That's Joy the Podcast. I am your host, Cece, and I am so thrilled to have you back on the pod, back plugging into the pod. And if this is your first time here, holy moly, welcome. I'm so grateful that you chose to plug in today. Uh, Your time is a gift, and I recognize that. And so I don't take that lightly. Today, we actually have a very special guest on the podcast today, um, a new friend of mine, Bob Wheatley. And I'm excited to dive into our conversation together. But right now, we need to kick off the episode with a little joyful noise. Now, if you're new here, joyful noise is our version of good news. Like, what are the good things that are happening out in the world? Let's highlight more of that. This week's joyful noise is from a listener. Uh, This sweet listener's name is Madison, and Madison wrote in saying, Hi, Cece. I wanted to share some joyful noise with you. I truly had the biggest gift from the Lord recently, and I can't help but share. Right before the new year, I had a ton of miraculous events happen, which led me to realize God was calling me to go on a mission trip to Africa. It's been a huge leap of faith, but one of the things I was a bit worried about was finances. I had $4,800 to raise in four months, and that number seemed staggering. It wasn't that I didn't have faith the Lord could provide that, but more a challenge of my belief of what was possible. I began raising money steadily, and within a week had $1,000 from various friends and family that had already left me in a state of absolute awe of the Lord, simply left thinking, wow, God, but that wasn't even the most amazing thing he did. This past Sunday, I got the chance to speak in front of my church about my trip and ask for prayer. That day, I received $700 in cash from various congregants and again was left in a state of wow, God. But again, the Lord shocked me even more. Tuesday morning, I got a notification on my phone that a donation had come in. I didn't think much of it because I had been receiving various random donations every once in a while but when I opened it I had to do a double take right in front of my eyes it read 87% funded $2,000 donation from blank and it read a name I didn't even know I spent the entire day searching for this anonymous donor only to discover he was a congregant who hadn't even introduced himself to me on Sunday who decided after hearing me speak he needed to support my mission how good is God to almost fund the entirety of my trip from a singular donation from a complete stranger, a man who has never even met me. I have never held such awe and wonder at the Lord's benevolence, and I can't help but think how encouraging this might be to someone. God hears us, sees us, and provides for us according to his perfect plan. He is so, so good. If that isn't a reason to be joyful, I don't know what is. Thank you for listening. You guys... This is what it's all about. This right here. 
increasing our faith, increasing our belief, and really stepping in and believing that God will do it. I think so often we end up praying these prayers and then not having the belief to match it. So if you are listening to this story, man, I hope that you are just so encouraged. Encouraged to believe how God is going to move in and through your life. Praise God that he found a way to get Madison to Africa where she will be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I am believing that whatever God is calling you to do, that he is going to keep his promises. We just need to make sure that we are steadfast, walking in faith, and actually pairing that that very prayer and that very thing with belief. So anyhow, that is just absolutely something to be joyful about, and that is the best way to kick off joyful noise today. Like I said, um, if you guys have ever have stories that you want to share that are little joyful noise moments that are happening in your life, I want to hear what that is. Maybe it's not fulfilling $4,800 like it is for Madison, which is absolutely incredible. Maybe it's something smaller your eye in your eyes. What I want to encourage you with is that there is nothing too small or too big. There are no levels when it comes to how God moves. Um, and so whatever it is that's happening that is good in your life, let us hear about it. Write in, whether it's on Instagram DMs or on my text community that you can find in the show notes. Uh, I want to read your story next. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. It is such a rich conversation centered all around our heart's desire. Bob actually wrote a book all about this and we're going to unpack what it means, how you can fight it in your own life and all of that. Bob is an entrepreneur, he's a podcast host, and he's a former professional athlete and, like I said, a new author. I know that you guys will be encouraged and hopefully leave a dose more equipped from this episode. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoy. All right, you guys, I am so excited to have a very special guest here today. Bob Wheatley is in the house, and he is a newfound author. Um, Bob, we already talked about you at the top of the episode, but will you explain who is Bob and when and how did he find God? Yeah, that is an interesting question because I would have said that I was a Christian for a long time. I grew up in the church. I went to a Christian middle school, Christian high school, so I was around it all the time. But if Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, mm. then I'd say I became a Christian when I was 25. Nice. Yeah. And so I was an air quote Christian for yeah. 12 years before that, like church, first period of the day is Christian learning, memorizing scripture, but I wasn't following him. Mm. He, he was definitely not the most important thing in my life is more like a box that was checked. Like, oh, I'm this American baseball player who says he loves God, Yeah. who prays before meals, before he goes to bed. And that's about it. I'm kind of just trying to get to the big leagues. Mm, yeah. So yeah, how I found the Lord, um, I, I'd say it was a slow thing in that I was, of course, around it for a long time, totally. thinking I was a Christian. And I'd say, looking back on it now, I, I, I truly wasn't. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So just look for the fruit. The fruit wasn't there. And so it was only after I had a number of failures, disappointments, however you want to put it, that I had nothing left. I was like, all right, God, yeah, game on. yeah, Let's do this. It was out of need. 
that's what I was just going to say. When we get stripped of everything, when he has these incredible encounters for us, right? I think about that so often too, because I'm like, man, I grew up the same way, like Catholic all of my life, knowing and believing in God, but not really having that like relationship. And so you talk about like at 25, that shifted for you. What was kind of that shift? Yeah. When I talked about all the disappointments, failures, whatever it might be, there was a, a number right in succession. So I, you know, I grew up being an athlete. I was a football and a baseball player in high school, played collegiately at USC in Los Angeles. And then I was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays. So I played for them for a couple of years, played for the St. Louis Cardinals, played for four years in the minor leagues. And it, it was always going to be a long shot if I was going to make it to the, the bigs. Yeah. I was a 26th round draft pick. I was number 774 overall. Wow. They, they gave me a thousand dollars and a plane ticket. So I was far from like this amazing prospect, Got it. but it was really important to me. It was this big, this big dream. And I think there's something that's honorable to, to chase something like that. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm working really hard towards something that I want. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And so getting to the big leagues was my big dream that I was chasing. And so baseball was the first thing to go. The, I'll use some baseball jargon. I was, I was released. I was essentially fired. You know, I was, yeah. I was a pitcher like, Hey Bob, you don't throw hard enough. It's time to go home. So the blue, J- oh, blue Jays said that first. Then I got another opportunity with the Cardinals. Then I got a third opportunity in independent professional baseball, which is basically, it's still pro ball. You're still getting paid, but it's not tied to the clubs that you would know. So it's not the Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs, things like that. I was playing for the normal corn belters, corn belters of the Frontier League. I was living in normal Illinois, and I was making $600 a month. Dang, no way. Yes. So when the normal corn belters tell you you're not good enough, time to go home, it's time to go home. <laughs> you're like, all right, let's reevaluate. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and that was the first time, now that I think about it, like when the, when the Blue Jays let me go, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't done. I was like, you know, I, I truly think I haven't maximized my abilities here. Yeah. And then, you know, try with the Cardinals. I actually had my best, uh, my best years with the, with the Cardinals. And then, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, I just wasn't the right fit for them. But then that third time I had actually planned on retiring before they, had let me go. Like I remember I was sitting in the, I was sitting in the dugout. I think it was in, in Schaumburg. We played, you know, this, this other, this other team in the frontier league. And, you know, I had a decent, not great outing. I'm sitting there in the, in the dugout and like, and I remember the guy that came in for me, his name was Sean Blackwell. It doesn't matter, but Sean Blackwell comes in and this guy was unbelievable. He's like six foot six, righty. He was throwing like 95 miles an hour with, there's amazing stuff. Yeah. He was so much better than me. And so I'm watching this guy. I'm like, wait. If this guy, Sean Blackwell, who's 10 times better than I am, is pitching for the normal corn belters in the Frontier League right now, making 600 bucks a month, I will never, never make it to the big leagues. Mm. It's time for me to go home. Dang. Now now I know. Okay, great. Like, I've, wow. I've done everything I can, but... This, this dream is over. And so that was something that I had worked for 
for a long time. So the, the big league dreams died. I was running a protein bar business when I was playing in the minor leagues because that was kind of plan 1A or plan B. I was, a, I was a business major at USC that started as a class project where it was just on paper, start a business. It was like an upper level Whoa. business school course start a business over the next four months. And as I did more research and stuff like that, I was the athlete who was always into nutrition and, and things like that. It's like, I, I really see a gap in this space. Like I, I could actually see myself creating this business. Yeah. And so I created the protein bar business. It was called I am, I am bar. And so we would tie in these positive affirmations on the, like on the secular side, I am strong. I am healthy. I am Totally. You know, insert affirmation here. Totally. But then we also had the the spiritual side, like the great I am. Yeah. You know, yeah. Lord, who should I say has sent me? Tell, I am that I am, mm. the name of God. And so I step right into the protein bar business, which I had been doing kind of from the bus yeah. on the minor, like on the minor league side. But it only took a couple months for me to realize, okay, we kind of need to blow this thing up and rebuild it. Like it's, it's good. It's not great. It's either going to take a lot of time or a lot of money that I don't have <laughs> right. to make this work. So baseball, done. Business, dying. I was, I was working, I was stocking shelves at a Whole Foods to like supplement my non-existent baseball or business income. How did you have the time for that? <laughs> I, was working, I was working the night shift at, at Whole Foods. And so then probably the most important thing to me, I had been in a, a longstanding relationship uh, started at school, and it was you know three years in the making. That then failed, oh and this was in like a three month period. Yeah. So from let, let's say it was April, and I what would have been April of seventeen. So everything's going great. Still playing ball, business, girl. It's all there, and it's yeah. like boom, 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 boom. They're all gone. Now it's August, like three months later, and I'm like, Lord, I I am a mess. I am an absolute mess. If there's an end of my rope, this must be it. Yeah. I give up. Here's yeah. here's my life. And again, I would have told you I was a Christian that that whole time. Yeah. But I was and it might just be the athlete cuz we're kind of bred to, you know, first one in, last yeah. one out, control the controllables, like all the things that you would see on you know some some sports commercial totally. for Nike or something like that, yeah. you are you are the captain of your life. Mm -hmm. And after I had all of those failures in very short succession, I was like, ah, I'm a bad captain. Yeah. Lord, I'm ready to follow you, wow. no matter what that means. Wow. And so I prayed gave my life to him officially. And then weird things started happening. It's like little whispers and things like that. And, you know, six months later I moved to Nashville and yeah, it's been, it's been an amazing ride. And there's been some things that you look in the rear view mirror. It's like, ah, divine appointment, right. divine right. opportunity. Yeah. There's some stuff that's still totally gray, yeah. but my life now, what I'm committed to is, Lord, I will let you be the author of my story. And he always was, right. but now I'm not swimming upstream right, anymore. Right. Like, okay, Lord, it's it's easier for me to go your way and to say yes totally. than to try to 
create some story in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that too. Cause I know that that's vulnerable. Like it's your whole life story and it's just real. But what I do know is happening right now is that somebody's listening to this and they're just thinking, Oh my gosh, I could relate. Like, I feel like I'm swimming upstream or I feel like not one door, but five doors have shut on me and I don't know where to go next. And it's really interesting how God takes us to that place at times, right? Like, I can't help but get curious and Mm -hmm. just want to know more. Like, man, I was just talking to another girlfriend the other day and same thing. It wasn't one thing. It was three things that got like that were horrible. Honestly, like if we're really being honest, that all happened within one month. And I'm like, dang what's up with that? But now I love that you mentioned the rearview mirror because I think that's a powerful, powerful place to be mm-hmm. when you're able to turn around and be like, dang, I see how you are moving God. But I love the vulnerability and honesty of saying also there's some gray areas that you don't know either because mm-hmm. that's real too. I just, there's so much to this that I can't wait to just even unpack more because you guys, he wrote a book. We're going to dive into that later. Um, but there's just so much to your story that I know is going to bless others because of the way that you walked and the decisions that you made. So Bob, you have your whole life kind of like planned out right in your mind. And I just am wondering, like at that moment when you were just sitting with God, having that, okay, Every door has shut. I mean, even talking about the dugout moment, right? I Mm -hmm. think so many different times in our lives, when we just really pause, that's when God's voice becomes the loudest and most most pronounced when we're having that like, okay, that I remember that. And similar to your story too, I have had a couple of those moments myself where I've been like, man, God, I was sitting at my dining room table and I won't forget it. It's just one of those moments in your life you turn around and you're like, (laughs) that is a bookmark moment. I call it bookmark Mm -hmm. moments because I'm like, you'll just never forget that page, you know? And I remember sitting down in my mother's house, receiving a call that I was let go from what was my dream job. And I turn around over my shoulder and I'm in tears because I'm like, I cannot believe that that just happened. Like this has to be fake someone pinch me, right? Mm. I turn around and I just have this visual and this Holy Spirit moment. And honestly, I haven't talked about this story on here yet, but I'm like, my mom was sitting right there and she was working from home too, because this is 2020 COVID. Everyone's at home at this point. And she is on her computer right there. And I had this Holy Spirit whisper of just like, man, you're going to be okay. Like my mother being right here was almost just like God's love washing over me. Like it doesn't make sense right now, but you're going to be okay. And I am wrapping you up in love Mm -hmm. because you get to be right here in your mother's home, you know? And so I get so curious too for you, like in that moment where you're like, man, I, what did that feel like from the transition of just, okay, these three giant doors have just shut God, what was that like first step that you felt from God or what did you hear God say Mm -hmm. in those moments? You're like, I'm, I'm fully pursuing you. Mm -hmm. Well, even, even just with your story, I think about what Solomon says in Proverbs, many are the plans in the mind of a man, Mm. but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand in your case. Many are the plans in the mind of a woman, right? Like we just, we think we know what we're doing. Oh, this (laughs) sounds great. It's my dream job. I'm going to be here forever. This is my dream girl. This is, I'm going to be a big leaguer or whatever. Yeah. And the purpose of the Lord will stand. Mm. Like he, he is the one with the pen in his hand and we can either choose to get on board 
with him. And not only is it easier, but we'll actually delight in his story much more than anything that we can write ourselves because he's doing it to us. He's doing it for us. And so for me, and it's funny as you're kind of like putting yourself in my shoes, like, Hey, when you prayed to God and you were super composed and blah, blah, like you did that much better than I did. I was a mess. (laughs) I was a total mess. I was like, Lord, I am, I am done. I am done. I am heartbroken three times over. Mm, Yeah. And Lord, will you please fix it? And I truly think when I think back to that prayer, it was a vulnerable moment. It was honest and maybe a little naive in that I thought he was going to answer it immediately and it would be fixed tomorrow, right? Like, God, you're, you're God. Remember, just, you know, hurry up and fix it and it'll be great. (laughs) And, uh, he's, he's on a different timeline than we are and he has a totally different agenda if I lost the the dream, the business, the girl, I don't think God's like, okay, well, let me scramble the jets and get Bob, you know, a, a new dream, new business, new girl, ASAP. Right, it's like, right. he's prideful. Mm. He needs to learn how to forgive. Yeah. He needs to learn to love well. Yeah. And, you know, we're sitting there as the fallen sinner with a, a totally different agenda. But God, like... What about the job? What about the income? What about my dreams? And he's like, today's lesson is forgiveness. Mm. It's just, he's just on a different, totally different plane. So That's good. as I came out of that prayer and officially gave my life to him, I noticed my, my heart softening and also maybe my ears being more attuned to what he might be saying. Cause I grew like I said, I grew up in the church, but I grew up Lutheran. So it was heavy doctrine. Mm. It was father, son, and Holy Bible. Like there wasn't a ton of spirit like, Hey, God may or may not, you know, say something to you. Um, God, God might nudge you to the left or to the right. There wasn't a ton of that. It's not that the things that I learned in school were wrong. Not at all. It's just I hadn't been exposed to different ways that I might be able to access God. Gotcha. So, like I said, my heart was softening and also my ears were opening. Like, all right, if I pray, Lord, show me where you want me to go. Yeah. Show me what you want me to do. If I pray things like that, and I'm totally open to it because everything that I had written, or at least the future that I had created in my mind, was definitively gone. So it was truly a, a, a clean slate. Like, Lord, sh- show me where you want me to go. Right. Show me what you want me to do. It's a yes on the front end. Right. Like, right. no matter where you send me, it's it's a yes because I'm broken. Yeah. I trust you. Yeah. And so then you pray that prayer, and then you start feeling this stirring like Nashville. Nashville. Yep. Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, I, I moved here. And the first job that I was working in, I was working as a financial advisor. And I was actually offered the job from a company, a Fortune 100 company that I never applied to. So I pray that prayer, Lord, show me what you want me to do. Because right now I'm a a washed up baseball player stocking shelves with a failing business. So I'm available. Here's here's my resume. I'll do whatever you want. And then I had a random phone call from you know a, a financial advisor actually in Orange County, oddly enough, because uh, but because this was a Fortune 100 company, they had offices everywhere. Oh, wow. 
So I have the stirring about Nashville. I have a job opportunity literally handed to me. I hadn't even heard of the company before. And I I moved to Nashville on faith. It's like, Lord, I, I think you're telling me to do this. And I, I know from experience that when I quarterback my life, it, it hasn't worked. And I'm not chasing effectiveness. I think that could be a sort of American trap or even the athlete's trap. Like, let's let's use God to be the most effective person we can be. Yeah. Like, I'm going to let God quarterback my life so I can really get things done. Right. I, he, again, he's on a different timeline, different agenda. I'm just like, Lord, I'll, I'm not promised that I'll wake up tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's real. I'll go to bed and be knocked out for eight hours and my heart keeps beating. My lungs keep breathing and I have no say. Mm. So I felt like God told me to move to Nashville. Like I said, I was given a job that I never applied to. And that was, that was really the start of this journey of Lord. It's a yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yes on the front end. Totally. And then just help me as time goes on. I want to walk in the middle of your will for my life. Mm. That's the safest place. That's the best place. That's the most fulfilling place. That's where I'm meant to be. I say yes. Yeah, that's good. My friend, um, a couple months ago, she had shared this thought about just like dying to yourself and like what it means to truly die to yourself. And that's what so much of as you're sharing, I'm like, man, you're like actively just choosing to like lay down and say, God, you can quite literally have it all. And I love the comparison of saying like, hey, God, here's here's the football. You're going to be QB now, right? I'm, I'm ready to run where, wherever you want to toss, you know? It's another thing to be like, hey, I'm actually just going to take off my shoes. And like, I'm going to be right here. And however you want to use me, whatever door you want to fly open, I'm just available. And you're like laying down, you know? And I think that posture, like, it's just such a powerful place to be because it's a next level surrender mm-hmm. and saying that God, whatever it is you want, I'm available. Mm-hmm. And I love that so much because the nudges that you felt in your heart to come to Nashville, I'm sure at this point, how many years has it been since you've been here now? It's been five. Five years. So now you're sitting five years deep and you're like, ah, got it. I, I had to come here, right? Mm-hmm. There are probably so many things that you're like, man, some way, somehow, there were things that were happening for me. And I can't quite equate the exact reasons, and there are still some gray areas. But what I do know is that God is in this, and he's moving, and I could feel him, and I could hear him in ways that I never have before. And that leads me to where you're at today. Like, it's just such a beautiful story of how God writes right like he writes beautiful stories Mm -hmm. um and i think that's so much for everything that you've just shared and now you're you're an author first time author how how did we get here and how what does that feel like and like does it all kind of make sense i get curious of that too if you're like man i needed every single thing to go south so that i can be able to share what i'm sharing in this book like is that Mm -hmm. a part of it too um i just would love to know it all yeah, I, I'd say it absolutely makes sense, but it's even deeper than, oh, well, God made Bob fail so that he could become an author. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it makes sense. God allowed me to fail so I could see my need for him. Mm. Like, if you think about what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the dot, 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 like all these negative 
at least outwardly negative things. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Yeah. Why? Because they're fully aware of their need of God. Mm. Or if you look at the on the opposite side of the coin, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is talking to the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church. Yeah. And the reason they're lukewarm is because of their wealth. And coming from California, like I grew up in Orange County, right. you know, there's plenty of wealth to go around there. And the, and I'm sure you've experienced this spending time in, in California yourself in oh, coming yeah. to Nashville, coming to the South. It's just a different feel. It's like, whoa, Bible belt, different, very different, right? It, it just is. <laughs> yeah. And so when you look at the lukewarm church, it's when Jesus says, you know, be hot or cold, do not be lukewarm. I will spit you out of my mouth. Like you need to be something. Don't be apathetic towards me. And the reason that they were is because all the things they had, you know, he says, you think you're wealthy, but you are poor. Mm. So just understanding that we have all these things that we chase, whether it's, you know, financial gain, relational gain, some sort of prestige outwardly, like people praising you or whatever. And all of that stuff can distract you from what you really need because death is undefeated. The wages of sin is death. And it won't matter how many Instagram followers you have because we're all going to die. The first person you'll see is Jesus. And the question will not be, hey, what what does your resume look like? How many awards did you win? Did you make it to the big leagues? It'll be, did you love me? And you'll know that you love him if you have the fruit in your life. Those who love me will keep my commandments. So bringing it back to the the book, I, I was always a reader. Yeah. There's a saying in baseball. (laughs) It's uh, it's a lot of downtime in baseball. So we just say, hurry up and wait. That's the (laughs) hurry up and wait. wait. That's, that's how it works in baseball. Rain delays, all that stuff. So whether it was time in the clubhouse or time on the bus, I was, I was reading oftentimes but it was usually, shouldn't say usually, it was always a nonfiction book where it was like health, nutrition, you know, uh, mental game, whatever it might be. It's like, let's, yeah, let's get better. And then I had a friend here in town who, who was on me for months, like, hey, I think you should read some fiction. You know, like, let's, let's soften those edges a little bit. Like, ah, oh, but if, if I'm reading, if I'm reading fiction and enjoying myself and letting my right brain turn on for the first time, <laughs> then I'll, that'll be wasted time. Cause I won't be getting better. Yeah. And which is just so dumb now looking back on it. I, I love fiction now. That's I, I read more fiction than nonfiction now wow. because it's just, I, I think God is a storyteller I think we're a, a storytelling species, but it really, it started with, I was a reader. I think that's usually where most, most authors will have their beginning. And then I stepped into reading fiction. Mm-hmm. So I was reading Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or East of Eden, or, you know, I read Les Miserables, Anna Karenina, like all of these classic novels. Wow. And I'm like, man, these guys and gals can really write like just seeing the art form of it. Yeah. I hadn't really been exposed to it. And there might be some nonfiction books that are extremely well-written and these, 
you know, these authors are wordsmiths and like, wow, this is beautiful. But when I look at a novel that has stood the test of time and it's 150 years old and people are still buying it and like, Hey, there's, there's something, there's something here. It's true. You know, we're, we're sitting in this podcast studio. I'm looking at the stained glass yeah. window of this, you know, of this church. And like, I think it's important for us to appreciate beauty because God is beautiful. His creation is beautiful. And so if we're constantly in this American dream, athlete, let's get better, let's perform, it's like, well, yes, but we also can pause and appreciate beauty and have no agenda and just enjoy so that was the part of my brain that I needed to turn on, the storytelling, the enjoyment, the, um, yeah, maybe the, the softer side of okay. life. And so this book, it, it really came about at the beginning of the pandemic where I'm in this, like, in this fiction kick. I'm like, oh, this, it's a whole new world. This is awesome. So yeah. I'm reading all these, all these novels. And I had a mentor of mine here in Nashville. He and I have done the Bible in a year for every year since I've been here. Oh, wow. So Sweet. doesn't make me an expert on scripture, but I am constantly reminding myself of the master story. Yeah. So it's not just like a daily devotional. Here's what John three sixteen says and a quick prayer. It's like, I'm cover to cover. We're reading the Bible, yeah. just constantly reminding myself, Hey, here's the story that we're living. Mm-hmm. Here's the story that God has written. And so I'm in this fiction kick, I'm reading the Bible, and I had this moment where I was like, dude, it's the same story. Mm-hmm. Like, we keep telling this same story over and over again. It's the hero, the villain, the love interest to be saved. You have paradise lost, paradise restored. It's, it's the same story. And, you know, we all watch TV shows and movies and stuff like that. You see the same archetypes over and over and over again. And so... And it could be a female hero too. You have Katniss Everdeen or something like that, but it's the same story where like when Katniss volunteers as tribute, we all cheer like, Oh, that's, that's love right there. That, that is heroic. That is sacrifice. That is courage. So true. And I'm like, well, that's, that's Christ. Mm. The reason why we write those stories, the reason why we go to the movies or stream that show is because we long for that. We long for the self-sacrifice, the courage, the love. We long for everything that God has provided for us in himself. And so the reason why I wrote this book is I I truly believe that our stories are kind of a gateway to help us understand our longing for God. So, and we can dive as deep in as you want to, um, but yeah, basically what I've done in this book is I have told the story of scripture through stories. Wow. Through like I mentioned the Hunger Games or you have Saving Private Ryan. I talk about Rachel and Ross and friends. I don't know if you like friends. Like they're back and forth dynamic. And I saw the notebook on there. Big notebook early. There you go. <laughs> Got a little notebook in there. Exactly. Yeah. But it's I just I truly believe that. God wants us to know the story he's writing. Yeah. He wants us to know the story we're living. And so you could have somebody in Hollywood who's an agnostic, mm-hmm. just kind of like floating, like not really thinking about God. You could have somebody who's an atheist who says, no way. 
there is no God. And they tell the story of scripture. They just put a different face on it. I'm like, guys, uh, you have the same maker that I do. Yeah. He created you to long for that story. That's good. That's really good. It's been really transformational for me. I'm sure. I mean, there's so much to that too. I get really excited when I hear about his new book, you guys, because there are so many people, I mean, maybe you're plugging into this and you're, you're testing the waters yourself and you're like, I, someone sent me this joy podcast, this God thing. Like, I, I don't really know, but I'm curious. And I love that you say that our hearts are really longing for this deeper meaning and this desire that we have in our hearts that we just don't know of. And a lot of people are running around and we're just like, I know whatever I'm doing right now or whatever I'm walking through right now, it, it doesn't feel like it's enough or like, I want more. I know that there's more. And there are so many close friends of my own who mm. aren't necessarily walking with the Lord. And I just see different parts of their own lives. And I'm like, Duh, but if you could just get it, you know, like what it would do to your heart. And I love this, this book so much because that is the core of it. Right. Mm. And I truly believe that it will reach non-believers in a way that they would better understand this God of the universe that we get to worship. Right. Mm. And, um, when you're just thinking about like writing this book, as you're talking about like the different stories and whatnot, did you just have this moment where you're like, I know this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, how did you feel so pressed to have this be your first book? Yeah. till it, it was instant. Yeah. I'd actually been writing a couple books before this and they just didn't have the legs. Yeah. I'd get 50 pages in and you know, life happened and I wasn't all that in love with it. I didn't see the end from the beginning. So it would just stop. This one was literally immediate. And I talk about that in the first chapter of the book. I was reading, uh, oddly enough, a science fiction novel. Yeah. The hero wins the girl. Mm. And I realized, okay, that that is, I believe that to be definitively right. Mm. Like I, I've been cheering for him for 300 pages. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, yes. <laughs> so real. Nice job, buddy. And his entire story, the back and forth and, you know, the, again, the hero, villain, love interest to be saved. It was just another retelling of scripture. And I guarantee you the author of that science fiction novel would not say that. Mm. But right. you do kind of a tale of the tape and look at them both. It's like, okay, they like same, same. Yeah. They're all there. So the name of the book, Our Heart's Desire, How Our Stories Reveal the Thing We Want Most. Mm. And that was that was my experience in that, that subtitle is really twofold because I tell the story of scripture through stories, how our stories reveal the thing we want most. I believe we want God more than anything, yeah. but it's also the stories we tell ourselves, mm. how our stories reveal the thing we want most. And so if I'm telling myself, I need to get to the big leagues so that I will be respected so that I will be fulfilled so that I'll be a man. Like all the, all these lies, yeah. but stories, stories that I was telling myself. Mm. And so I started, you know, I, when I truly became a Christian, just recognizing the stories that I was telling myself, the stories that I was creating and replacing those with what God says, says in scripture, mm. you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. Like I, 
it's, it's funny because like I'm a lowercase a author yes. here, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I want to go to the uppercase mm. A. Like what does God say about this? What does God say about me? What does God say about life? That is truth. That's all I want to focus on. That's good. That's good. So, yeah. I'm, I'm getting really excited for this book, you guys. If there's something that you talk about so much, too, and you say that I was looking at all things, Bob, the other day, yeah, to talk, to prepare for this moment. Um, and something so profound that really stuck out was you've said that you finally found the desire of your heart. And I think that that's like the big ticket question that so many people find themselves asking Mm -hmm. themselves, like I just was mentioning. And I just would love to know, like, what is that desire exactly? And how does a listener on the other end, like, really run with the actual thing that they can do so that they can find their own desire too? Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, I mean, if you think about our heart's desire, if you think about how our stories reveal the thing we want most, what do we oftentimes see? We begin in paradise. We begin in this world that, you know, the villain hasn't shown up yet. That comes in minute eight or whatever it might be (laughs) of the movie. So we long for Eden, really. I mean, we long for Eden. We long for paradise. We long for sin to be taken away. We long for perfect relationship with God and with others. And we just don't have that. So if you look outside, you know, these walls, that's what we're trying to create So true. in our own power, whether it's through politics or, you know, some sort of like social movement or whatever it is that that's all we're trying to do. And it's a very, it's a, it's a good desire. Yeah. We are trying to return to Eden. Who wouldn't want to live in paradise? Right. Who wouldn't want to have perfect relationships and no sin, right, right. no tears, no death. Duh. Like, so we all want the same thing. The question is, how do we get there? And if what the Bible says is true, and I know you and I believe that with all our hearts, we will have that. Like that's, that's the promise. God wants the same thing. He wants the same exact thing. And so the story that he has written as the author of everything, he has promised that. He has promised that the way to, receive that invitation is saying, yes, Lord, I believe that you came to this earth as a man and you paid, if the wages of sin is death, you paid my debt. You only have to pay a debt one time. So if we all owe God a death, either we're going to pay it or Jesus paid for it 2000 years ago. So again, it's just, it's just such a, such an exciting thing. It's to understand the story that God has written, to understand the promises that we have before us. How can you not have hope? Totally. It's like, Lord, this is, wait, so I was born a sinner. I was born a hater of you. And you love me enough to say, I'm going to give him a way in. Yeah. I'm going to change his heart. I'm going to change her heart. So true. And allow them to see me and allow them to enter my presence and have Eden forever. That's nuts. It's nuts. The gravity of that, man. I just never want it to get lost on me. It's everything. Oh, you guys. So 
Clearly, if you have not been um, just fired up to grab this book, Bob, will you just give them like quick, I know I'm going to ask you at the end, but when does this thing drop? Yeah, so it comes out uh, late January. Late January. Yeah, awesome. 24th. Awesome. Yep. I never leave an episode without asking the question that I ask every single guest on this podcast, and that is, what does joy mean to you? Hmm. What does joy mean? I would say that there's a big difference between joy and happiness, and sometimes they can be lumped together. I think joy goes one step deeper because joy, if I really unpack it, I think the two words that are underneath joy are thank you. Whereas happiness, you can maybe create that yourself. It's more of a cause, whereas joy is an effect. And you're like, like if you think about the moments that you've truly been filled with joy, not happiness, not fulfillment, not positivity, those two words, thank you, are the underlying feeling. It's, it's a gift. It's something you were given. It's not something that you created yourself. And so, yeah, when I think about joy, I think it's, it's one part gratitude, maybe another part wonder like there there's a part of you that says man i have this amazing thing whatever it is the relationship the job the holiday bonus you know some awesome thing that brings you joy yeah when it becomes joy is that moment that you realize and i didn't deserve it or i did nothing for it that's the overflow whereas if you don't have those words tied in the thank you, it might just be happiness, positivity, fulfillment, which is totally fine. Joy is next level. Yeah, that's it right there, you guys. I love that you tied in happiness too because I think it's exactly what you said. Joy is internal while happiness is external, right? It's like despite what's happening around me, I still have joy. And it comes from God, which is like the coolest thing, you Mm -hmm. know? It's nothing that we can muster up in this world and so that's the greatest gift i mean the fruit that's why it's a fruit of the spirit come Mm -hmm. on (laughs) that's right um all right bob how can we show up for you how can we support you in everything that you're doing from social to grabbing the book and any courses or anything you got yeah if you're listening to this podcast i'd love to hear from you i'm on instagram tiktok it's just at bob wheatley best place to find the book. It's either bobwheatley.com or we're selling it on Amazon. And we're actually giving away the audiobook completely free Sweet. to anybody that pre-orders. Yeah. So if you know, you're interested in the book, that's awesome. Definitely appreciate it. If you pre-order, go back to bobwheatley.com. It's right there on the homepage. First name, email, Amazon receipt number. You have the audiobook right there in your inbox. So yeah, I I didn't want people to wait. Like if they're excited and they can tolerate my voice for another five hours, game on. If you love this voice, (laughs) you get more of it because you recorded the whole thing yourself. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. That's a a journey in itself. So cheers to you. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, you guys. Well, you heard it here. Grab his book, follow him on social. And Bob, thank you so much for blessing our audience and just for being a light and doing everything that you're doing. Awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. It was a lot of fun. 
You guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I loved recording it with Bob. It was such a joy to be able to be face-to-face with him and to just hear more of his story and more of the hardships. I think so often we think of joy and we just think of the mountaintops and the peaks. But what I love so much about the conversation that I had with Bob is that he really opened up and it takes a lot to be vulnerable and to share hard things. And so I feel so grateful that he shared so many different angles of his life and his story with us today and I hope that you're just so encouraged you're encouraged to believe that um, God's God's using it all he's using it all and nothing nothing is wasted friends I need to know what was your favorite part of this episode let me know what that is you can let me know by shooting me a text to the number in the show notes but I'm going to read it off for you right here you can text me at 615-813-4813 again that's 615-813-4813 if you're not following me on social yet you can follow me at c-c-a-l-b-o-n-e-r-o and you can follow that's joy the podcast on insta as well be sure to subscribe rate and leave a review for that's joy it does wonders in the land of podcasting when you go the extra mile to do this little thing it only takes about two minutes and i promise you it means far more than you know so thank you in advance for taking the time to do that I'll never leave an episode without saying if you have even the smallest desire to meet the creator of the universe or if you've already been saved but you aren't really free, I want to invite you to sit at the table of plenty with me and so many others. I'm telling you there is an abundance here. There is an overflow here and there is so much joy to be had here. God is for you waiting for you he wants to meet with you all you have to do is invite him into your heart right now friend if you just made that decision i'd love to know who you are shoot me a text to the number in the show notes i could pray for you i love you god loves you and until next time i'll chat with you next time thank you so so much for being here